Well, here we are, friends, right? I mean, just one week ago today, we sat in this space and we celebrated Jesus entering Jerusalem. We remembered what it felt like that day as our children walked up and down the aisles waving palm branches, reminding us of what the crowd did when they saw their king coming into the city. Shouts of Hosanna laying down their cloaks, making sure that Jesus' entrance into, a, into Jerusalem was an entrance of a king, right? We remembered on Thursday, if you've been walking with us through this Holy Week, that moment that Jesus shared with his disciples the night before he gave himself up for us. If you were here for Good Friday, you know that we remembered the death and the crucifixion of Jesus. My hope is that you took just a moment between Friday and this morning to sit in darkness, to sit in the grief to realize what Jesus really did do for us, that he really did conquer death, which means that he really did have to die. And now, here we are this morning, when we remember the truth, the core of our faith, that he is, in fact, risen I want us to finish our gospel reading for this morning. We read the first half at the beginning of service. We're going to read the second half now. So we're still in John chapter 20. We're going to pick up with verse 11 and go through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels sitting in white where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. And I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not touch me because I have not yet ascended to the father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. I have seen the Lord. That proclamation of the resurrection is where Mary ends up by the end of our gospel reading for this morning, but it is by no means where she begins in verse 11. I love this account of the resurrection that we find in the gospel of John. It's hard for me to pick a favorite. We get a resurrection account in every gospel, spoiler alert, and it is hard to pick a favorite, but I really do love the one that we find in John's gospel. All the other gospel writers speak of the empty tomb, of course, and they all describe Mary and those with her, their emotional response to the empty tomb, all a little bit differently. 
In Matthew, they are afraid. There's this big earthquake and the tomb is empty and it says there was an appearance of an angel and his appearance was like lightning and he was the one that pushed the tomb away. In this resurrection account, it reminds me of how people usually respond to direct encounters with God or with angels across the scriptures. Usually it's fear that they feel first because the moment is just so overwhelming. In Mark, it seems to be the focus is on how startling it must have been to stumble upon the empty tomb. So much so that the angels tell those who found it to not be alarmed that Jesus is raised from the dead. In Luke, it says that those who found the stone rolled away, that they were perplexed, that they were so confused that surely they thought they would find Jesus laying in the tomb, but it turned out it was empty. And how in the world can you actually wrap your mind around that and I think all of these responses are pretty accurate right I mean I think if I stumbled upon the empty tomb I would probably feel that whole range of emotions I'm sure you would too but John's account is the only one to depict grief the story of the resurrection that we find in John is the only one that allows us to realize that the discovery of the empty tomb of Jesus' body missing was absolutely heartbreaking for Mary. So much so that she is just weeping. I mean, it seems like she's weeping uncontrollably, that she is just so overwhelmed with the grief Because we have to realize that for her, Jesus being killed was hard enough, but now he's he's missing. And there's nothing left of his body. It's gone, which means there's not even a place for her to go and remember. There's no place that she can be in his presence. It seems like suddenly the world is empty of him for, for her. It's like she's realizing in this moment what she believes to be true, that that the powers of darkness, they haven't just killed her Messiah. They've wiped out all traces of him. She's facing that reality that not only is Jesus dead, it seems like Jesus is gone. And her tears get interrupted when she peers inside of the tomb. I like to think that maybe she was hoping to see something different, right? Just checking one last time to make sure that his body wasn't there. And instead she sees two angels and they ask her, why are you weeping? I think one of the most obvious questions that we find in all of Scripture And she launches into her answer. I've always read this to be filled with raw emotion and and a ton of frustration, right? I mean, she says, they have taken away my Lord, and and I don't know where he is. It's almost like her answer is, is, do you not get it? Why, Why are you not weeping? Don't ask me why I'm weeping. Do you not see? They've taken his body, and, and we don't know where it is. I may never know where it is. Immediately after she answers, maybe even before she finishes, she turns, right? And she sees another stranger. We know it's Jesus, but clearly she, she doesn't. And here in the Gospel of John, the first words from the mouth of the risen Christ are this. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? first thing Jesus does in the gospel of John is ask about the meaning of Mary's tears. I think the first thing Jesus does for us today is ask the meaning of our tears. Mary is completely oblivious to the hope that is right in front of her. 
Her eyes are filled with tears, making her vision blurred. We've all been there before, right? She can't see a thing. She doesn't realize that she's speaking to angels, much less speaking to Jesus. Her mind is racing. Her emotions are peaking. She's probably feeling that tingly feeling in her fingers that we all get when life just becomes a little bit too overwhelming for us for us to handle. She can't even recognize the voice of her Messiah because I'm sure her ears are ringing because of just how overwhelmed she is with the grief. And who could blame her? The question that I think we need to sit with for just a moment this morning is, are we really any different? I hope that you would be willing to hear this question from Jesus. Why, why is it that you are weeping? What is it in your life that has you weeping? Where is it that you have lost hope? Where is it that you have shown up this morning expecting to find something dead? Where have you had a hard time finding God in your life recently? Where have you been driven to the tombs like we find Mary driven to the tombs? Because friends, I think if we're honest with ourselves, then we know there's no shortage of stuff for us to weep about in our world today. Whether it's a medical diagnosis or the violence that's around us or anxiety or depression, or maybe it's grief because you just lost someone that you love, just like we find Mary here in this moment. Maybe it's trouble with finances and the pressure just seems like it's too overwhelming. Or maybe you've had trouble starting a family. Look, I don't know what it is, but my guess is that there is something in your life this morning that has led you to a place of weeping which is why I really don't want us to miss that the first thing Jesus does, the risen Christ, the Savior of the world, the Alpha and the Omega, the first thing he does is tenderly ask us why it is that we are crying, which tells me that no matter what it is and no matter where we find ourselves this morning, that this resurrected Christ is willing to meet us exactly where We are. And for me, I don't know about y'all, but for me, oh my gosh, there's so much hope in that. Like an overwhelming amount of hope in that simple moment with Jesus. Mary is still, she's still missing it. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe we are too. She thinks she's speaking to a gardener. And she fires off. And to me, this response from Mary feels desperate. It feels like a last attempt, a last hope to maybe be able to find where her Savior's body is residing. She says, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. As she is saying this, she begins to walk away, and then Jesus just says her name. Mary, says Jesus, and it stops her in her tracks, doesn't it? She turns back to this stranger and suddenly she can see with clarity that that it's him, that that it's her savior, and that he's risen. And she cries out to her teacher, right? I mean, it's almost like she goes from one end of the emotional spectrum all the way to the other in just the blink of an eye. And this moment in the gospel of John is when the resurrection is announced, In other Gospels, it's announced by angels, but here in the Gospel of John, the announcement of the resurrection is Jesus calling Mary by her name. 
And remember, it's not the sound of Jesus's voice that Mary recognizes. She's already missed that once. It's the sound of her name being spoken by that voice. Spoken as one who sees her and knows her imperfections and all. Spoken as someone who who loves her. Spoken with tenderness and with grace. And the same is true for us. On this day, perhaps in the midst of tears and frustration, having been driven to the tombs, expecting to find something dead, the risen Christ calls us by name. And we realize anew that he is risen indeed. And before we know it, Mary is no longer weeping. Her grief has been overturned, and instead she's filled with hope, right? Proclaiming the truth that she now knows to be true. I have seen the Lord. Moments ago, Mary missed Jesus completely. She couldn't see him through the blur of her own tears. And now she is the first one to proclaim that the Christ is risen. That is is resurrection. Here's the thing about resurrection, and and I think we get it wrong sometimes. So often we think of resurrection as this thing that we celebrate, right? This thing, this act, this miracle that Jesus did for us. And we think of Easter as a moment for us to to celebrate it, to, to give thanks, to come to a church covered in flowers and adorned in white to remember what Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, did for us nearly 2,000 years ago. But the truth that I think we find in this narrative in the Gospel of John is that the resurrection is not just something to celebrate. It's something that we, that we experience. It's something that, that changes us. It's something that, that transforms us. Mary shows up to the tomb on that Easter morning, and before she knows it, she has experienced resurrection in her own life. She goes on to proclaim that he is risen because she has been made whole. She has been healed. She has been revived. She's the one that's no longer weeping. See, resurrection isn't something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's something that's happening to us today because Christ calls us by name. He calls us his child. Christ picks us up when when we're broken. He wipes our tears when we're grieving. He carries us. He fills our cups when, when they're empty. He holds us and he forgives us. Look, whatever it is in your life that has you, like Mary, running to the tombs expecting to find something dead, I want you to hear this truth and believe it this morning, that when God shows up to a dead situation, it doesn't matter how dead it is, there is life. There's resurrection. And because of that, and because of nothing else, we have hope. My prayer for you and my prayer for me this morning is that like Mary, through all of the noise, that we would recognize the voice of our Savior, calling us by name like he has many times before, and that we would know that we too have seen the Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.